The commandments of the Decalogue lay the foundations for the vocation of man fashioned in the image of God. They prohibit what is contrary to the love of God and of neighbor, and they prescribe what is essential to it. So these things are necessary. So we, we, we have a twofold love, love of God and a love of neighbor. Now that's going to be made more explicit in the New Testament. But we notice that the Decalogue, the commandments of the first tablet, commandments one to three, treat our relationship with God. So this is what's there to instruct us in how to love God. Um, commandments four to ten, the commandments of the second tablet, all pertain to our relations with creatures, especially with our, our fellow man. And therefore, they pertain to the love of man. So you see this setup here for the two, for the two commandments of the, of the gospel, love of God and love of neighbor. Because it lays this foundation, the old law has as its end union with God in heaven by living the life of grace here. Uh, this is an advantage that the natural law did not have. It didn't, the natural law did not mediate grace. The Old Testament actually did. Uh, in fact, one of the things that got me interested in doing this subject is that re- recently I was in a bit of a friendly argument with somebody who's um, was criticizing something I wrote and made uh, the false statement that, that there wasn't sanctifying grace in the Old Testament. And I had to correct her, and in fact, I'm still in the middle of, of answering this this correspondent um, who doesn't even live in this country. She she um, she she lives afar, and um, she, uh, she's a good lady and all, but but she's a little bit confused about the nature of the, the old the Old Testament, and she doesn't seem to think that there was sanctifying grace in it. So I'm having to prove this point to her, even though it's it's explicit in Scripture. For instance, when Saint Paul goes to show the ideal man of faith who's justified by faith, he uses the same man as an example that St. James did when he talks about the advantages of good works and, by the way, the necessity of good works for justification and how good works justify you, um, which is very contrary to the Protestant heresy. But it's in the epistle of St. James. Well, who are we talking about? Abraham. Abraham is the model of faith, and he's the model of good works. St. Paul uses him to show the necessity of faith. And because he, Abraham believed God and is reputed to him unto justice, St. Paul writes. Um, St. James says, see how a man was, Abraham was not justified by faith alone, but by good works. So both of both of those things have to work together. That's another subject. It's an apologetical thing. We've we've talked about it before. But but um, Abraham is used as a as the ideal, as the example, the exemplar, the man of faith, the man of good works, the just man. He was a just man. Well, what does that mean? That means he was in grace. He was in sanctifying grace. It was essentially the same thing in the Old Testament. Now the difference is, in the new law, Christ has already come. He's opened the the gates of heaven. He's instituted the sacraments, which give us direct access to heaven. Um, he has suffered his passion, uh, which is the meritorious cause, even for the the, the the sacraments of the old law, by the way. The Jews couldn't have been justified if it hadn't been for the foreseen merits of Christ on the cross. So, uh, 
after this, though, after the new law is instituted, it's better. Um, but that doesn't mean that there was that there was no sanctifying grace in the Old Testament. What we get in the new law is what the theologians called a different concomitants. In other words, things that accompany sanctification, things that accompany sanctifying grace in the new law are superior. One of them being made a member of the, the mystical body of Christ, being made members of the church, being conformed, configured by the uh, indelible seal of of the sacrament of baptism, the character of baptism, being configured to Christ interiorly on your soul and therefore entitled to the other sacraments, being able to partake especially of the Holy Eucharist to be able to eat Christ's flesh and drink his blood. Uh, all of this didn't, ex- none of the, those things existed in the Old Testament. So it is clearly superior, but uh, we don't want to exaggerate and say that the Old Testament had no grace, or the Old Testament didn't have saints in it, or the Old Testament didn't have holy people in it. In other words, people who are in the state of sanctifying grace because they're justified. You're listening to Reconquest on the Crusade Premium Channel, part of the Veritas Radio Network. This is Brother Andre Marie, and we're talking about how the new law supersedes the old law. Now, talking about the um, the um, advantages of the of the old law, uh, let's continue. So, in in the Decalogue, we distinguish three different sets of prescriptions: the moral prescriptions, the ceremonial prescriptions, and the juridical prescriptions. The moral precepts uh, are the Ten Commandments, considered generally. Uh, In them is the natural law restated and made more clear. The ceremonial prescriptions of the first tablet contain the first three commandments. They regulate the cult of divine worship. These commandments have God as their immediate object, and therefore they correspond to the first of the two great evangelical commandments. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with thy whole heart, soul, will, and mind, right? The juridical uh, precepts contained in the commandments 4 to 10, that is the second tablet, which corresponds to the second evangelical commandment, love of neighbor, they are a rule by which man's behavior with his fellows is measured. The rest of the Torah, that is to say the rest of the, uh, uh, the first five books of the Bible, it's also used sometimes as a shorthand for the entire Old Testament. The rest of the Torah, which word means law, by the way, contains minute prescriptions of the ceremonial and juridical law. These tutored the people of God in Christ, preparing them to receive him when he came. This is so much the case that those of his nation who rejected him were more blameworthy than the pagans, as our Lord himself told Pilate. So Pilate, Pilate said that the, 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 they who brought me to you have more guilt, right? So he, he made it clear to Pilate that Pilate was less blameworthy than those Jews who brought him to our Lord. So they should have known these things. They should have seen these things. So the, the entirety of the old law uh, was this preparation, building up to Christ. And those who chose not to follow Christ really missed the entire point. With the revelation of the old law, God gave the remedy for one of the effects of the fall that we talked about at the beginning, ignorance. 
So ignorance informs them, rather the the old law, the the old covenant, gives them a remedy to ignorance. Keep in mind, that was one of the effects of the fall, was ignorance in the intellect. 